0: As usual, episode of Breaking k with Bowdrin Barry. And this week, Lou, yes, uh, toenail fungus, your dreams have come true. Sweet Lou will be taking an active part in this episode as I am a tad under the weather. You may tell it in my voice. Barry, uh, the booker's not feeling good today.
1: You know what? Being sick Thanks,
0: Cam, for giving me your cold. Right. Was it Kim? You're
1: sure it was Kim? Yeah, it was. It's the woman I sleep with every night, you know. All right. All right. Yeah, it sucks. But I got to say, your voice, you don't sound. Maybe it's going to hit you later. I know you're feeling like shit. We were talking yesterday about this, but uh you, know, you don't sound. You don't sound like you're on your deathbed, thank God, right? Well, gee, I appreciate that. uh yeah, exactly. Faint
0: phrase. Uh, so on this <laughs> particular episode of Breaking k about Ernie and Barry, going back to the 90s, we're going April 14th, 1995 for a Match of the Week. It's a uh, WWF. Was it WWF at that point? It was a WWE In Your that. House yeah. special as Brett the Hitman Hart takes on Hakushi. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be offering up a little Florida Man or Not segment. Uh I know, Barry, you will join with me in offering up thoughts and prayers to my man, B.W. Barry Windham, apparently suffering a heart attack uh the other day and apparently is in uh, intensive care and uh very troubling news. And the, to hear that he apparently 11 years ago had had a heart attack, Barry.
1: Yeah, that was the set, the scary part. And I, I think I remember vaguely hearing about that, that it was somewhere, right, 10 or 11 years he had had a heart attack. But apparently, and I, I got it early this morning, somebody sent me a message and said, have you heard this? But the daughter of Mike Rotundo, who is Micah Rotundo, who is very attractive young lady. She is, uh, on the radio occasionally in Tampa. She is a licensed real estate agent. She is a fitness expert. She's got her hands on a lot of different pools, but she posted either late yesterday or very early this morning. She set up a GoFundMe for BW looking for $200,000. And it does sound like he's in ICU, and it sounds like this is very serious. So, as you just said, our prayers go with BW. He's a big guy, you know. It's I think you mentioned this on either last week's episode or, or one of our recent recordings over the last couple of weeks. But when Barry first started, he was essentially the same size as Kendall Windham there really wasn't much different. He was rail thin. Uh, a lot of criticism his first year because he was a lot of people felt like he was too thin to be in in the ring. Obviously within four or five years, he was probably top three workers in the U S and, and has continued, but over the last, and I'll say decade or so he's gained a lot of weight and, uh, he looked good when we saw him, I guess that's about three years now, right? That was, uh, Or Yeah, that was right before COVID. That's already three years. But this sounds really serious. And I, you know, it's BW. He's a young man, Jeff. He's, I think he's younger than us without even knowing for sure. So you and I are both in his corner. I know a lot of our listeners are in his corner. Let's hope that BW kicks out of this one.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh,
1: got to tell a little story
0: what? to the folks uh, about uh, something that happened at the uh, Baldron household over the weekend. Uh, uh, as you know, uh, our girl Molly uh, has the uh, new brother. Uh, that has joined the family and our boy Snap. And, uh, so apparently, uh, Snap and Molly were, uh, doing a little wrestling here in the house. And, uh, Barry, uh, I told you before we started recording about the injury that Molly suffered. Oh. Uh, and what, what was it called again?
1: The dew claw.
0: The dew claw, which is sort of on the side of a dog's paw. They have that nail and it's generally. I mean, I hate to say it when dogs fight, that's what they like, you know, they tend to go after and and stuff like, you know, they try to use that as a weapon. And what happened was Molly's dewclaw was torn. And a lot of times uh, and this happened with our daughter, Kelly's dog, when that nail is torn, there can be a lot of blood and there was not a lot of blood with uh with this happening to Molly. We did notice, you know, spots like the first time Kim noticed it on her uh, bedspread. Uh And she said, oh, you know, and this is where Molly lays at night. And, you know, she, you know, said, oh, we need to check it. And so she checked it and she says, oh, she tore her dewclaw. And so then, of course, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with Molly because, you know, Molly's limping and so obviously she's in discomfort. And so we called her, our daughter, who just to remind everybody, uh, is the supervisor, the supervisor of the veterinary technicians at an animal hospital here locally. And so, uh, Kelly said, well, you know, we can bring her in, but you know, to be honest, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a weekend afternoon and chances are it's going to be a couple hours of wait. Compounding that, of course, is because we have the new dog here. The new dog has never been in the house by himself. He's been in the house with Molly, but you know, never. Without Kimurai or, or without Molly. Uh, so, you know, we figured that's going to lead to a little bit of freak out factor for him. And so uh, we're trying to figure out how we're going to do that. And, you know, we wanted to take him to, I'm not going to say the name, but let's just say there's a certain retail pet store oh. that has an animal hospital that's affiliated with it. Eh, let's just say they don't have the best uh, Google reviews. Yes. And there was a story that was out uh, recently about somebody that had taken their dog there. I think it was like for a a bath or a grooming of some sort. Uh the dog ended up dying. Yep. Uh there was video that came out of the uh the person that was doing the grooming being very rough and physical and handling the dog. So we're like, ah we really don't want to take her there. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to because the the Duke Law essentially was hanging uh and it was uh you know causing her a lot of uh we're assuming pain. And, uh, you know, so uh, we spoke to Kelly and said, what do we need to do about this? So she's like, well, I tell you what, I'm out right now, but I'll come over and I'll remove it. You know, like, uh, you know, I can see what I can do. And she and her husband were going to come over and, you know, between, uh, Kim, myself, her husband, we were going to hold Molly down while Kelly did the, uh, uh, procedure here on our home. And boy, we were looking forward to that. Oh yeah. So, uh, in the meantime and in between time, as Kelly gets here, we realize that the dew claw has fallen off. Okay, and Kim found it, you know, in the on the kitchen floor. And Kelly like takes a look at it. She's examining her. And she says, "Oh no, it's gone." She goes, "So why don't we do this? We'll go ahead and you know." She goes, "I got some saline here. We'll clean up the uh, the wound, and then we'll put a you know like a dressing or a bandage on it." She cleans it up. Uh, Molly very resistant. Uh, Molly is a uh, she's a bit of a chunky gal, a thick chick, if you will. Barry, some More people to like. So, yeah, some people like that. Yeah. Uh, more, what is it, uh, more cushion, the better the, well, anyway, that's inappropriate in case uh, Antonio's listening. But, uh so anyway, so she's very strong, very resistant to anyone holding her down. So we end up not being able to put a bandage on her paw like we had intended to do, but we were able to clean the paw. All right. So fast forward a couple hours later and, uh, Molly had still been limping a little bit, still trying to recover. She had been, uh, we gave her some trazodone and, uh, it was sleepy time for malls. And, uh, so anyway, so then we we're letting them out, out in the backyard, our newly fenced in backyard. We got the floodlights out there too now. So it's, uh, you know, we can see the dogs and what they're doing when we let them out at night. So we open the back door and snap goes down the steps. Immediately starts peeing. He's a male dog. What can I say? And then Molly is kind of very gingerly going down the steps, still kind of working the leg injury, if you will, or the paw injury. And all of a sudden, right as she gets to the bottom of the steps, Molly just kind of alerts on something. She's looking and she's looking. And all of a sudden, I hear Kim go, oh, no, a rabbit has gotten inside of our fence. And Molly quits selling the leg injury. Whoom! She's off like a flash. Like, it's Greyhound Night at the old dog park. And the rabbit immediately bolts in the other direction, goes past her, snap, stops mid pee, joins the chase in the yard. <laughs> and Kim is like, oh, my God, they're going to kill the rabbit in our yard. And we couldn't even imagine what a spectacle that would be. Uh, and what happens is we have a small space that had been left, uh, and we put a cement block up. You know, so the dogs couldn't get underneath it, but of course there's a hole in the cement block and that's how the rabbit, the rabbit goes inside the cement block and gets underneath the fence and our dogs are left at the fence one. And I looked at Kim and I go, eh, apparently Molly's, uh, uh, paw injury is all healed up because she's able to
1: sprint throughout the yard
0: chasing the rabbits, Barry. Good times.
1: And that, that's the funny thing about dogs too. Years ago, Ozzy was sick and he's in the car and I think he's dying. He's drooling. He's got this weird glaze on his face. Get him to the vet. It looks as healthy as could be. So they, they explained it to me. Dog's kicking the gear, but I really want to touch on how you pronounce cement because I, uh, I'm assuming you grew up watching the Beverly Hillbillies and I just heard the word cement like three times.
0: Really? How do, how do you pronounce, uh, uh P-E-C-A-N pie? <laughs> P E S Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna have that discussion, Mister. All right, That's sick. Don't take advantage of. it. How do I pronounce it,
1: or what's the right way to pronounce it exactly?
0: <laughs> Is it pecan or pecan? You know, right. you, you decide. Yeah. So, very question that came up in the group the other day. Moving Uh-oh. on to a new topic. Sure. Uh, and uh, when we talked, you had very definite opinions. Uh-oh. So the other night on the uh, the tales of the territory, of course, they uh, were talking some mid Atlantic wrestling. Uh and of course they had uh as part of the uh the round table discussion, oh uh baby doll the perfect- <laughs> <laughs> So Barry Rose, I asked you this question so you uh, could tell the group your thoughts. Sure. Baby doll hot or not.
1: <laughs> all right, you're putting me on the spot with this one. <laughs> I uh and you I'll say go- you wanted
0: to talk a lot this episode. Yeah, I did. I all. didn't
1: I didn't know that this one. So I, I will get some heat from this. So let, let me go on record. Let me let me give the full, <laughs> well-rounded opinion on Baby Doll. See what you're I. You're trying to day? say
0: she's fat? Well-rounded? No, 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 exactly.
1: She'll kick my ass. I bet so, she will. Baby Doll is a uh, so I should say I don't believe I don't agree with her politically. She is in one direction. in Wow! Well,
0: come on, who cares? I just ask if she was hot. Well, at no, but number.
1: I need to yeah. because before I insult her, I need to give her props, Jeff. I need because okay. when the hate comes down. I need to stand that. With it, what she does show is a serious intelligence level. She's a very bright woman. And while I don't agree with her, I respect her because she handles herself really, really intelligent and bright. In professional wrestling, she had, I would assume, what was a less than five-year career for the most part, as far as being on the main stage. And that's kind of taking into account WCCW and then winding up in the NWA. but. There are a lot of people that seem to find her as literally the perfect 10. And that baby doll is, uh, somebody that you post a photo. And as you were just talking about Molly with the cushion for the pushing and the thickness, there are guys who like their women thick and baby doll seems to be the, uh, that seems to be filling the need for that. So on a personal level, and again, highly intelligent, nice woman. This is not just not my type, Jeff. Never did a thing for me. And that's exactly what I said to you. And when I see guys go crazy for her, I'm sometimes shocked that we all like different things, obviously. Again, I'm more of a Missy Hyatt 86, 87 kind of guy than a baby doll kind of guy. Never did a thing for me.
0: And I'm going to take a moment. Wait a minute. Three, two,
1: one. And I'll let the,
0: uh, the hate-filled, uh, epitaphs, uh, coming from, uh, some of our listeners now as they're, uh, stunned, amazed, uh, and they're uh, you know, yelling at Barry, What the fuck are you talking about, Barry Rose or something like that? I don't know. So uh anyway, Barry, what do you say now? We go to Syracuse, New York for our match of the week, Bret Hart versus Hakushi, available from our friends at Daily Motion, Barry. First of all, before we get to the match, your thoughts on Daily Motion?
1: Daily Motion can go fuck themselves. <laughs> so that's <laughs> what's the, the most motion- softball. <laughs> Yeah, this was the most infuriating watch I think I've had because uh, I just sat here going, oh, yeah, another ad in, in 90 seconds. And then it's a 30-second ad I can't fast-forward through. So I was losing my mind and then all the buffering. Uh, but I did get to watch the match.
0: So why don't you tell the folks what you thought about this match from uh, May 14th, 1995, Syracuse, New York, in your house, Barry.
1: Absolutely. And these- By the way, <laughs> did you ever win a house from the WWE? I never did. I don't think I ever tried, but I think I watched all these in your houses when they were airing. And what they were, if I'm recalling correctly, were they weren't they they were monthly pay-per-views. But the idea was you weren't going to get this big end-all, be-all pay-per-view where all these angles are either ended or created. And this was essentially a quote-unquote glorified house show. Where they were, they were putting on solid matches. I guess some of them were and definitely a lot weren't, but, uh, these weren't the, these weren't the most, uh, I guess attention grabbing pay-per-views back in the day, but there were some good matches and that's what this is. Akushi versus Bret Hart. This is a good match. And I always liked Akushi. I never, never fully understood his, rather quick exodus from the wwe nor understood what became of him after he left and i like the gimmick you got a guy that comes out he's in great shape he's a little thicker than a lot of the other japanese guys he's built looks like kobashi and the, the physically a little bit a little bit bigger uh and then he would write japanese characters all up and down his body and his face So it was a really unique gimmick. Uh, Nothing I had ever really seen like that before. And I thought he was pretty decent in the ring. He had some good moves. He, uh, he wasn't, I think partly he probably, at least in watching this match, he wasn't as maybe dynamic as I remembered him some 25, 27 years ago, but still, still did some shit that was kind of unique for its day, which I, I liked, uh, and this match is good. While this, I wouldn't call this a great match. I wouldn't call this a, a classic. I would say if we would have seen this match at a house show, we probably would have been very happy. It was a decent match. Hakushi did do some cool shit. Now Shinja, who was with him, if I'm correct, was Akio Sato. Yeah. And Akio Sato we had seen in the federation a few years earlier. He was with Pat Tanaka as in bad company. I, I think this was after Paul Diamond left or maybe it was Tanaka who left, but he was there, uh, at one point, at least I think he was, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think he was part of bad company or at least a tag team. Orient Express, uh, if I recall correctly was what they were calling them. There's a great sign in the crowd, Jeff, and I don't know if you caught it. Bob Colley, Bob, Bob Colley, remember him? Bob Hawley yeah. couldn't drive a go-kart. And that's when he was doing that sparky plug gimmick. Yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a great gimmick. <laughs> let's talk about the worst gimmicks in wrestling, and why, for God's name, somebody would come up with it. Even if you were doing a race car gimmick, which I don't think is terrible, right? Probably a lot of people watching are. You call the guy Sparky Plug? So, yeah, Bob Holly couldn't drive a go-kart. Love that one. Hakushi does a diving headbutt, and I'm going to go on record and say it may be the best diving headbutt I've ever seen. And uh two other guys that immediately come to mind are the late Harley Race and the late Chris Benoit. Harley Race. Dynamite and- Kid. Dynamite Kid. Well, there you go. So that makes that really interesting. And let's put, I mean, I guess all three to some degree. Harley Race and Dynamite Kid in their later years, their backs were so blown out they couldn't walk. Harley would walk. It, remember his walk? It was yes. sad. Yeah. It was almost a crab-like walk because he couldn't walk upright. Dynamite Kid obviously was living his last few years in terrible shape and in a wheelchair, which was really bad. And, uh, and then you, who did you just bring up? Oh, Chris Benoit. And Chris Benoit, obviously, I'm not gonna, you know, it, God knows what caused him to, to commit the, the acts that he did, but has anybody ever done this diving headbutt and not wound up in terrible shape? And Harley specifically attributed his back issues to doing the diving headbutt. With that, Hakushi does it better than anybody I've ever seen. I, 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 I'm hopeful he's not in a wheelchair currently, but it was just blew me away how good it was. Uh, Brett does a standing suplex from in the ring and they both topple outside the ring and onto the floor. And I know that we've seen a couple other people do that throughout the years, but I don't think anybody ever did it as convincingly as Brett did it. And I think part of the beauty was Brett took that tumble over the rope as well, which I liked. A lot of times a guy will just suplex a guy and just leave him out there. But when the guy delivering the suplex goes over the top rope, that looked really, really well. The match was good. If I was, let's say, let's give it, if we're talking five stars, the match is three and a half stars. This is not a an instant classic. At the same time, I don't think anybody's going to watch this match and go, that wasn't good. It's a good match. It's definitely a good match. Any idea whatever happened to Hakushi and why, you know, I'm assuming he didn't get over here. That would be my assumption. But was he ever a star in Japan when he left the Federation? Do you know? Well, first of all, uh, his
0: uh, his real name is uh, Kensuke Shin, uh, Shinzaki. Uh he wrestled, I guess, uh uh he came out of the uh, Michinoku Pro uh promotion where he was billed as Jinsei Shinzaki. Right. So, uh I think when he left the federation, he went back. Uh, I think he kind of wrestled on shows for a lot of the different promotions, but he was primarily affiliated with the Michinoku uh Pro uh thing. So, um couple of thoughts that i had uh on this match so here you've got this guy because you know i i look at at hakushi as a real wasted opportunity for the
1: federation yes because i first of all you know who he is jeff what you know who he is and you said this he's what a great muda no even more you've said this i'll i'll draw a comparison he's the asian version of malachi black right yeah that's a
0: good comparison he's got uh a definite look to him uh, that, uh, is sort of different from everybody else, which is part of the reason why I like Malachi Black. You know, the, the whole writing script all over his body is a different gimmick. You know, he's not just another Japanese guy, you know, throwing salt, doing the Mr. Fuji gimmick. Uh, he looks, so he looks different. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I mentioned the Great Luda. The way the great Muda got over in WCW, they could have got Hikushi over in the WWF. But of course, let's be honest. It's 1995. We know who's pushing the buttons and uh, who's the puppet master uh, that's pulling all the strings. And if for you know Vince McMahon could be sitting on the toilet taking a shit and decide, ah, I'm not going to push that guy hokushi anymore, and, and his pushes ended. You know, you never know which way the wind blew with Vince. And you know, you know, one of the things that I thought of right away is. I get that the the whole purpose of this uh, particular in your house was to get Brett over strong because he was wrestling Jerry Lawler later in the show, but here you've got this new guy, uh, you know Hakushi, who's a mystery, kind of a different mysterious gimmick, uh, a gimmick that really I think with some push behind it could have gotten over as a real attraction. And you've got him wrestling in the opening match of this kind of, let's be honest, kind of a throwaway pay-per-view. This is not like, you know, he's wrestling on a WrestleMania card. This is a, in your house. And while it, you're right. While it's a good match, I just feel like it's an incredibly wasted opportunity. Uh, I loved at the beginning of the match when, uh, that they, they showed the angle that led to this match happening and, uh, they show Brett is getting an award quote from the Japanese media yeah. when he's, when he's attacked by Hakuchi, of course, the Japanese media always coming over to the, uh, the WWF, uh, uh, tapings so they can give awards out to guys who haven't been, uh, to, uh, a, a, a Japanese show in probably, uh, you know, uh 12, Ever. 13 years. Yeah. yeah. No, Brett wrestled in New Japan, but it was That's like, true. you know, 12 and 13 years before. So as Brett go comes out and, you know, he does his, uh, his interview. And by the way, I don't know if you caught Todd Pettengill, uh, doing the strong, uh, interview with Brett and, as he says, he says, you know, listen closely, Barry, when you go back, uh, with your friends at Daily Motion and listen to this, as I know you will, <laughs> he said, he's getting ready to say Brett's getting ready to go to the ring. But what Pettingill says by mistake is Brett getting ready to go to the wing. So apparently Brett was going out for some, uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah, he's close to Buffalo. He was going to get some Buffalo wings. Uh, did but, you catch
1: uh, the uh I, the mullet on Todd Pettengill, too?
0: Yeah, you know, that was a, it was a different time, that's all I'm gonna wow. say. Yeah. And then when Brett goes out to the ring and he does the gimmick where he's taking the sunglasses off and giving them to a little kid at ringside. And so this was the over enthusiastic Vince on the call. And you know, as he goes and gives the kid the uh the, the sunglasses, Vince goes, All right, slap me five. <laughs> like, Ugh. slap me five what the fuck Vince it's like you know, Vince pulling out the reference from like about 20 years before stop give me
1: five yeah. you're saying Vince Vince was out of touch i know it's, it's hard to believe <laughs> yeah so uh, exactly
0: and, and now let's talk about you talk about failed gimmicks here uh you know and when you uh you mentioned Sparky Plug I the first one that popped to mind was uh, for me was Tony Anthony as the hockey goon uh, i'm sure no, no, everyone Tony
1: Anthony was TL Hopper the uh the plumber yeah. Right, well, who was the hockey goon? You remember that was Bill Irwin. Okay.
0: I'm yeah. sorry. I stand corrected. How dare you? Uh, a- anyway, uh, how about Michael Hayes as Doc Hendricks? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, it's it, just uh, terrible. Yeah. I, and, and Mike actually has a pretty good call in the color commentary. He does some uh, pretty funny stuff and, uh, but just the fact that, uh, Doc Hendricks, that just really always fucking annoyed me. So I don't know if you caught this about seven minutes into the match. It's very rare for those of you that hate Bret Hart or those of you that are fans of Bret Hart. There's not many times when you watch a Bret Hart match where you can see an obvious fuck up. And about seven minutes in, uh, I think Hakushi was expecting some sort of uh, leapfrog by Bret or Bret was expecting Hakushi to do something different. And they kind of stop in the middle of the ring. And then Brett kind of grabs him and throws him in a hip toss, and you know, and then he does a couple arm drags while they try to figure out what the fuck's going on. Uh, I love the fact that uh, here we are in Syracuse, New York. You got a Japanese guy going against a guy from Canada, and the crowd starts chanting USA. Absolutely, uh, you know, uh, the, the good folks from Syracuse uh, having a little uh, misstep on the uh, on the chant there that night, Barry. So Barry, uh, why don't you? uh uh, having watched this match, uh, again, from our friends at Daily Motion. <laughs>
1: Fuck Daily Motion.
0: Yeah, well, why don't you tell the folks about the uh, the finish to this particular match?
1: So, and I, I I went back and forth with the finish on this match only because I, did I like it, didn't I, did I not like it? However, the finish, I guess, does make sense in the fact that he was, the, the, the whole gimmick with this was that Brett was having two matches in one night, uh-huh. He had had this kind of running a gauntlet, if you will. Yeah. And he'd had this kind of feud with Jerry Lawler and it, it had been going on for a while. So he's facing Lawler, but Hakushi does. It's essentially a roll up and Hakushi gets pinned one, two, three. And that was about it. And I think that was about the end of his, his main event run at that stage as well. It's kind of an uneventful ending. When I first saw it, I did not like it at all because I thought it was too bland. It was too vanilla. And at the same time, they were really just gearing up for Lawler versus Hart later. So in that case, it does make a lot of sense.
0: Well, and that's my main complaint of the match is, you know, you've got this sure. new character that you could really push. Uh, you know, I mean, were you going to make him the WWF champion? Maybe not, you know, but – Hakushi's certainly a guy that was good enough to get a run with like the Intercontinental Championship or something like that, you know, as far as is in the ring work. I think giving him a guy like uh a Sato who's not gonna, you know, do anything uh out of the world promo wise to get the guy over strong, if you'd given him a stronger voice to uh to push him, I think you could have done something with him, you know. But uh so anyway, so uh we will post a link to this match. Again, from uh, in your house on May fourteenth, nineteen ninety five, in our group break in Capeable Bowser and Barry. And if you're not a member, again, Barry,
1: why aren't you a member? I mean, that's Jeff a good I, question. It is Jeff, and, and we have been telling people you want to join the Facebook group. Because it is essentially an extension of this podcast. We discuss the same thing. But you get to interact with two out, two You get to interact? What would you say? You get to interact. I'm a mess. It's you a get, really good group. That's all we're going to say. It's a really good group. And you get to interact with a lot of people that are have the same ideals and likes as you do. And look, we can use our old friend, who's really our new friend, Fletcher Bailey. Fletcher, we had no idea really who Fletcher was. Was listening to the podcast. Showed up at FanFest. He's now deeply entrenched a member of the group. He's friends with, you know, the core listeners. That could be you. So if you're home and you're not on our Facebook page, run to your computer, your phone, whatever your electronic device is, join the group immediately. Right, Jeff? Absolutely. So
0: one of the things I wanted to do before we go on uh, any further, Barry, uh, you know, on our recent uh, Patreon episode, we uh, took a and a Q&A segment, we took some questions from our listeners and, uh, after we had finished recording, I know there was a couple of listeners, uh, that submitted questions that we didn't have a chance to get to. Uh, and one is, uh, something that I know is near and dear to your heart as far as memories go. Steve Generelli asking Barry and Jeff, what are your memories of the big wrestle reunion show here in Tampa? The first major fan fest, uh, by the way, uh, not Barry Rose affiliated, just for the record. Uh, I'd love to hear your memories of this special event. So, Barry, why don't you tell Steve and the listeners, what do you remember about the old Wrestle Reunion?
1: (laughs) So to that end, I was not affiliated for the most part. What I did help was the promoter of that event was a guy that, that was a guy that we had on our show, Sal Corrente. Yes, we did. And, uh, Sal talking about, uh, Bruno, I think was when we had him on, right?
0: Yeah. We're talking about his book. Yeah.
1: Talking about the Bruno book and Sal ran that show. And, uh, you know, I got to say with every intention possible, that was about as loaded a fan fest as you'll ever see. I mean, you name it, Bill Watts, Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, Kevin Nash, but there was probably a hundred guys. Jack Briscoe was fucking there. I mean, that, that was huge. Right. And it was a great time and I should say Steve Genarelli, I think has been to two of our fan fests and and no other. So I'll, I'll just, I'll have a conversation. Why only two Steve? Yeah. Steve center. Yeah. I need to have a conversation with you off air, Jeff. That was a lot of fun though. Uh, we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for me because it was the first time that I got to see, uh, you and actually a bunch of the guys in probably close to 10 years. Yeah. And, uh, it was just great. It was, you know, there again, there was more talent. It was affordable. I don't remember what the cost of a ticket was, but it had to be a bargain of a lifetime if you're an autograph collector, which you're not, but for an autograph collector, it had to be. And it was good that, you know, access to the talent, the wrestling card was great. I do remember we discussed the filmed wrestling card with Sal and how it still has never seen the light of day. But everything was fun about it, and uh, I remember Jeff was there flirting between you and Joyce Grable.
0: I have no knowledge of that.
1: Oh. Ah. no, we we had a we had a good time
0: uh, at the wrestling card. Uh, I gave uh, I, I put Joyce on full blast. She was working ringside, and uh, she started giving it back to me. And, uh, it was nice, kind of, uh, involuntarily becoming part of the show. And then after the match was over, I went back, uh, back to where the wrestlers were uh, waiting to go on and Joyce happened to be there and uh, she saw me and she literally went running over to me and gave me a big hug and said oh my god that was so much fun thank you so much so yeah that was a nice memory of uh, Joyce Grable that was the one of the highlights the other one was had a, had a chance to meet Bill Watts who was a yes. guy that I'd always wanted to talk to but I mean besides Bruno and uh, you know I, I think I met uh, Brad Armstrong there that was uh, really cool uh, you know because this was at the time would have been uh, about a, uh, jeez, uh, 13, 14 years after the whole, uh, uh, Baldur and the Booker thing. And, uh, I wanted to talk to Bill and, uh, I remember somebody that I was with, uh, went up to, when I was talking to Brad goes, Hey, you know, Brad, uh, this guy had a great idea, uh, for, uh, for a gimmick for you. Uh, tell him. And I, I looked at Brad. I was like put on the spot and I told Brad about the way that I'd used him in the book. And it was like, he gave me this little smile and he's like, yeah, yeah, great, great. And, uh, <laughs> Okay, good. Hey, I got yeah. about as much response. I remember as, uh, uh, going to one of the pay-per-views when, uh, somebody who, uh, I will not mention, uh, said something to the effect of, you know, I think a great gimmick would have been, I think if you put, uh, you put Ricky Steamboat and, uh, his brother Vic Steamboat and you, uh, call them double dragons. That's, uh. All
1: right. So, and you're not going to call this, this, this person out?
0: No, I mean, that was,
1: that was like literally
0: 35 years ago that that All was right. said, but I always remember that. It was like, good Lord. Really- good Lord. <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean that's that's arguably Big Steve the worst world class talent. I was going to gonna say that's arguably the worst I've ever heard. So I'll tell you, you brought up Bruno, and that that's a great point. So I'll give you two memories that I don't know if we've ever talked about. And I saw this on Friday. I showed up early on Friday. I was living in Orlando, so Driver I uh, or manager manager at that stage, Universal Studios, Jeff, where I think okay. I had seen you just a few months earlier, and I made the trip over. I was by myself. And, uh, I'm walking around the lobby, I guess looking for either wrestlers or people that I might have known at the time and Bruno walks into the building. So three things about, about Bruno that immediately within the first two minutes struck me. One, not a tall guy. The guy was not a tall guy, had arguably the biggest smile I have ever seen. You would have thought Jesus had just walked in the building. Now, I saw the lines for Dusty. Look, this just took place in Tampa. That's Dusty Rhodes territory, right? Yeah. This Bruno, wasn't Pittsburgh. Let's be this honest. This was correct. Bruno was still the most over guy in the building. And that, that I think says a lot. That caused me to, to really look at the Bruno legacy to understand that because he was as over. There were grown men. I swear their knees were buckling and shaking. And, uh, it just to see it and to Bruno's credit. Cause again, look, I don't want to knock Dusty. You know, God knows I've knocked him plenty of times, but you meet Dusty and you say, Oh, thanks for the memories. And Dusty basically says, yeah, you know, whatever Dusty did, you know, Bruno again, ear to ear. It's a, uh, it's a seven inch smile. He's got plastered across his face and he's listening to every story and responding. A wonderful human being, and I think truly did appreciate his fans. The other, and we're talking about Dusty Rhodes, I was at the bar, and there was this guy at the bar. He was a big, bald guy with a weird kind of goatee mustache thing, but he was jacked, and his voice was rough like this, and I had no fucking idea who this guy was. Dusty Rhodes walks over, sees him, puts out his hand— and immediately, this wrestler goes, "Oh, it's that fat piece of shit, Dusty Rhodes." Dusty, complete no sell. Hey, how you doing? Everything all right? It's the yeah, guy. I know that, exactly who it was. It's the guy that fucked my career. He went off. This guy went off on Dusty Rhodes for three minutes, and this was not a joke. And this guy, Dusty Rhodes no sold every fucking comment didn't get involved and basically said i'll see you later and turned around and walked away jeff who was it and, and is there a link you're missing here barry there you go a question was just answered ladies and gentlemen if you didn't catch it so yes it was the missing link not a fan of dusty Rhodes, and had no problem telling them that in front of everybody at the bar so i think for your dollar it was a uh one of the best fan fests ever i know that uh i got a lot of autographs. I didn't get a lot of selfies, which I was bummed about. But Jeff, if I recall correctly, you actually wrote an article for someone, didn't you, about this?
0: Uh, I think I wrote an article for the Miami Herald about this. Was uh, it
1: really for the Herald?
0: Yeah. And, uh, it was funny because a couple of things I remember is, uh, when, uh, we were walking through the, uh, the lines to, you know, get photo ops and uh, autographs with the guys and stuff and uh so we came to the table with Cornet and uh, I think it was Bobby and Stan. I don't know if Dennis was with him oh, or Dennis not. Dennis was there, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So so the three guys plus Jimmy and I hadn't seen Jimmy at this point in God uh at least fifteen years well, yeah, like fifteen years I think it had been since I seen Jimmy. So I walked up, it stuck out my hand and Jimmy shook my hand and I went, Hey Jimmy, uh Jeff Bowdrin And he looks at me and he gets this like kind of like kind of surprised look on his face and he goes, uh, Jeff, uh, put on a little weight. Have you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks Jim. I appreciate that, buddy.
1: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so uh,
0: there was, there was that. And then there was the, uh, the moment when, uh, I had a chance, uh, i had never met Ricky and Robert at that point. Yeah. And, uh, so I went over and they were towards the back there. I think they were actually sitting over there by dusty and I started talking to the guys and I told him, I said, you know, I said, I just want to like, let you guys know something. I said, uh, my grandmother, I lost my grandmother, I believe it was in 1988. And I said, I just want you guys to know what an important role you kept uh or you had in keeping my grandmother going, you know, as she was getting older and older. She loved you guys. I bought my grandmother who, good Lord, she was like in her, I want to say uh, maybe 80s. And do you remember like. Uh, Crockett promotions, not, not the, uh, the Ricky a. Morton concert, but they did like a poster and it was like a six foot poster of Ricky and Robert. This might have come out in 86 or 87 when they were really still over. And so I, i gotten that from my grandmother. My grandmother put that in her kitchen on her kitchen door. Wow. Uh, you know, the, this poster of Ricky and Robert. And so I was telling the guys, I said, you know, I said, uh, you were just so important in, uh, in keeping my grandmother, <coughs> excuse me, going. And Ricky said to me, he goes, where was your grandmother, grandmother from? And I said, Oh, she was from Beaufort, South Carolina. And he goes, Oh, I know Beaufort. And what I said in the the, uh, newspaper article was not as well as Beaufort knew you, Ricky, you know, and it really meant a lot to be able to convey that story to Ricky. He may have forgotten it thirty seconds after I told him, but you know it meant a lot for me to be able to tell him and Robert how much they meant to my grandmother and of course, my grandmother, as i've stated on many occasions here, was the person that first got me into pro wrestling, so that was a nice little connection I felt that uh, that I had made with the guys uh wrestle reunion did you bring that up
1: to him when you saw me at at the, at the no, you know podcast? i don't know if
0: I mentioned that to him or not i i honestly i can't remember that. Uh, the other thing I remember was I had made the trick up there, uh, almost, uh, I want to say as part of like almost a caravan with a bunch of guys, uh, from South Florida, uh, the, uh, the South Florida smart marks, if you will, uh, and everybody who was anybody, uh, was up there except for Flaherty. And, uh, I think, uh, I know Dwayne Long was there and Letterberg and, uh, and Howard and you and me and Greg Good. And nobody else that mattered except Flaherty.
1: Ah, you, I see you what you did meaning. there. Yes, thank I get yeah, because I, I have the photo. You know who was there too? That he's uh, not in that photo. I don't think he's in. You know what photo he's in? And if you're wondering who we're talking about, go back to the early episodes. References to uh, Samoan or Bull Ramos. The the Jeff also used to told know. the story exactly, but he was there because he's in a couple of the photos that we took in front of the old Sportatorium. Not the one I edited out. No, <laughs> maybe he wasn't there. Maybe yeah. I'm somehow. You're, Why should you know, I hold der- a grudge? You know, yeah, what the fuck? Right. We Jimmy Berkeley, Jimmy Jett, the rest. Right, was yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Which we didn't see. Qualman was there. Kevin. He's a, he's a regular listener to this podcast. I'm sure. Barry. Oh, I'm sure he's not. Yeah. But uh yeah, but it was nice because it was a convergence of a bunch of uh, of wrestling fans. And it was it was great. And uh I'm guessing Steve was there, Jeff. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm guessing if he asked the yeah. question. All right. So uh so anyway, at this point, Barry, I'd like to ask uh, if our man, Sweet Lou, if you're there, if you haven't nodded off from us talking about Tampa uh, and the Wrestle Reunion, if you could join us, sweet man, I am here. No, oh, thank you. I'm I'm so reassured. It's like having a, a warm nookie blanket, uh hearing those dulcet tones of Sweet Lou. What, so What is a nookie blanket? Well, you know, you, you hold the blanket. It's like Linus van Pelt. You're just like you're comforted by hearing, you know, having the blanket next to you. So, Sweet Lou, uh, as we referenced on the Patreon episode, uh, you came to us live from the great state of Texas, uh where you were uh there with your wife. Uh you visited Austin and uh, you visited San Antonio, rather than give us a travel log of your experiences in the great state of Texas, uh, I understand you had a chance food-wise, which, of course, R.O. always perks up Barry Rose's ears, to uh hit a couple of spots that Barry Rose is very fond of, uh, barbecue-wise and Whataburger-wise. So tell us
2: your food-related thoughts, sweet man. You betcha. So uh last week, as soon as we... Hit the ground in Austin, uh, got the rental car. We took a drive out to Driftwood, Texas, for a, uh, a legendary barbecue joint called Salt Lake. Wow! Yeah, and we had some mighty fine barbecue. Alas, other than a a short trip to the legendary truck stop called Bucky's in New Braunfels,
0: yeah, we have Bucky's in Georgia.
2: Oh yeah! Y- yep. It was the Salt Lake was our only uh only chance we had to get Texas barbecue in. But the uh the dishes we had were delicious. I had brisket and something novel for me, I hadn't seen it on any other menu, bison ribs. Oh so essentially one big bison rib came straight out of the Flintstones. A uh, a very delicious taste, just Maybe a little bit sweeter than you'd expect from beef. Uh, my wife had smoked turkey and sausage. Everything was delicious. The sides were, uh, you know, they were what they were, which were like ranch beans and like vinegar coleslaw. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so would you, uh, the, the bison, uh, the texture of the meat compared to say beef, would was it a drier, more moist than, uh, what would you say?
2: Oh, I think it, you know, I'm not sure given the preparation of the, of the thing, how it was. It was kind of, you could uh, tear it off the bone with your teeth. Uh, it was perhaps a little drier than what you'd expect from a, from a beef or a pork rib, but still had good flavor. Uh, you had a choice of two sauces, original or spicy, both equally good. So it was, yeah pretty interesting i mean it was so, a, a mm-hmm.
1: sweet lou so being it in salt rock is maybe one of the most famous barbecue restaurants salt in the, lick salt lick in the entire country so how do you how do you rate it as a barbecue restaurant would this be the best you've ever had if not where
2: was the best you ever had sweet lou well i got to say it was it was up there the salt lick itself is on a vast uh you know acreage there uh we were fortunate we were there on a tuesday afternoon where there weren't many people uh on your average weekend i believe you you'd have hundreds and hundreds of people there was that much seating out there uh on is benches. it one of these
0: places that stays
2: open till they run out kind of thing yeah i think so if you're talking about something like that where there's a huge, huge demand, you're probably thinking of like Franklin barbecue in Austin where people queue up hours before they open right. and then, and then they sell out very, very quickly with the Salt Lake. I'd imagine it'd be something like that because the food was really good as far as my, uh, best barbecue experiences. A comparable one for me would be in Birmingham, Alabama, back about 28 years ago, a place called Dreamland, which was kind of my first, first real experience with Southern barbecue. So it was, we actually was, have a Dreamland locally here. Uh, they have a franchise here,
0: uh, in Alpharetta, you know, which is, uh, eh, like 10, 15 miles away from us. We've been to it and it is very
2: good. You're right, Lou. Yeah. So no, the Salt Lake was, Plenty good, and I know there are definitely more barbecue places of note in Austin, and should I make it back there, I'm certainly going to try to hit as many as I can. So, all right, uh, well, Lou, I tell you what, before
0: we go any further, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. you uh also mentioned that you uh, availed yourself the opportunity to go to Whataburger, and as Barry said, you've been to both now Whataburger and in and out
2: Tell us your comparison between those two fine burger joints. Sure thing. I uh, got to hit up Whataburger in San Antonio. San Antonio, by the way, yes, there are In-N-Out burgers located there now. So they have, in, they have invaded the Lone Star State. That said, I got a original single, well, let's see, I got a bacon cheese single Whataburger. My wife got the patty melt, which I got to say had a lot of great flavor. Yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend it as well as the, uh, the regular Whataburger. So just that and fries. We didn't have shakes. We didn't have anything like that. As a fast food burger goes, I would probably still take in and out over Whataburger, but I, you know, the margin is pretty thin Ooh. as far as quality.
0: Shout out so, to all our listeners from Texas who are now, uh, Cursing the name Lou Kippelman for, uh, for the choice of in and out over, uh, what a burger. I know that's a controversial opinion. So, uh, sure. Lou, uh, we appreciate your food related, uh, Im- mm-hmm. impact statement and, uh, and, and <laughs> educating our listeners on all that. So before yeah. we let you go, Lou, there is yeah. one thing that I've left. If you checked the old, uh, message there that I sent you, I mentioned in the Q and A segment, uh, Barry, that we had some, listener questions we didn't get to our old friend Travis Reigns, John Doe had a special request for Lou Lou Travis wants to know if you will recite the first two stanzas of Dr. Hook's sharing the night together and we're going to do this because we're nothing if not what Barry we're givers we're givers so Lou we give to you Dr. Hook's sharing the night
2: together just the first two paragraphs bear you got it Uh this one's for you, John Doe. You're looking kind of lonely, girl. Would you like someone new to talk to? Oh, yeah, all right. I'm feeling kind of lonely, too. If you don't mind, can I sit down here beside you? Oh, yeah, all right. If I seem to come on too strong, I hope that you will understand. I say these things because I'd like to know. If you're as lonely as I am, and if you mind... Sharing the night together. Oh yeah, sharing the night together. Oh yeah, sharing the night. A book, uh, a reading from the book of Kippelman,
0: Doctor Hook. Hey, were you a fan of Doctor Hook, Bear? Uh, yeah. You know, I was. I uh, Barry has gone into a vacuum now. Yeah,
1: yeah he's uh, he decided to start vacuuming that- and uh, doing what he had to do. But uh, am I a fan of Doctor Hook? Are we talking Doctor Hook from? Uh- from uh the uh the cover it? of the Rolling Stone No, it was Dr. Hook he was a Peter Pan Are we talking that or are we talking no, we're well, talking the musical well, group Dr. Dr. Hook
2: he was a Captain Hook he yeah. had oh, gone was a to captain, medical school Captain Hook
1: had not yet got his doctorate so he could not <laughs> <see his doctorate. laughs> I get it. what was the one popular song Dr. Hook had cover of the Rolling Stone that was it yeah i got to see I'll-
0: my picture on the cover okay nobody wants to hear me singing i can tell you that so anyway uh sweet man we do appreciate it i'm sure Travis uh truly appreciates it and now uh Travis will be uh committing uh multiple patreon uh months to us uh on account so barry rose now for the listeners since we are in fact givers Barry, it's time for our Florida man or not segment boom are you ready to go my friend let's do it all right, uh pulling up the old news story right now as we speak. Our first one, uh Louis uh, I was almost to say Louisiana. Louisiana man arrested for trying to carjack a city bus. Ah, 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 um a, uh, man, oh crap, I just realized I gave you the damn state.
1: <laughs> well, well, but it was only, he was a Louisiana man. That doesn't make that he's living in Louisiana, right? But I was. Okay, bad. yeah, I'm under the influence of,
0: uh, Dayquil and, and all that. Yeah. The man nearly carjacked an RTA bus on Sunday. Uh, Terrence Johnson allegedly went up to the, bus. Hey, you know, and the reason I brought this up, Barry, uh, and yeah. really pretty much your standard, uh, carjacking of a bus story, but it reminded me when I saw that of, of course, Cosmo Kramer. He's trying to save the pinky toe. Remember that? <laughs> oh, oh, that was, uh, what was her name? The redhead. Yeah. The, the one that was so annoying, uh, you know, oh, that, that heckled yes. Jerry at the comedy show. But anyway, as he's, he's fighting off the, the guy that's trying to steal the bus and he's driving the bus and he makes the stop and they're like, you made the stops. Well, yeah, they kept pulling the uh, the cord to stop. And that's why he was doing it. So. Uh, yeah, that's a, a fuck up on behalf of, uh, your favorite booker there. So we will be skipping that one. Uh, next, Barry Rose. So I go-
1: can't answer that one. Well, I was no, going to say it's not
0: Florida. All right. It's, it's New Orleans. In fact, right. was a, a Louisiana man. So, uh, uh, next, uh, story coming to us courtesy of our friends, uh, at the, uh, the Buzz, Barry, which is a, an impeccable news source, as you know. Uh, let's see here. It says, uh, got to pull it up here. Woman stabs boyfriend for quote, not helping her with the bills. I could, I hate that. A woman was behind bars for allegedly stabbing her boyfriend multiple times for not helping her with the bills. It all went down, uh, at an apartment on Thursday. Cassandra Gutierrez and her 42 year old boyfriend went back to her place after drinking at a bar. An arrest warrant affidavit states the woman became confrontational Mm. and accused her boyfriend of not helping her with the bills. The situation escalated, however, and Gutierrez allegedly grabbed a kitchen knife and stabbed him multiple times in his neck. Right hand, left leg, and back after running away and calling for help. the man I can't imagine uh, why he would run away, Barry. Uh, the man was met by police at the apartment's leasing office. He was bleeding profusely and left a blood trail. He was transported to local hospital in stable condition. Gutierrez was arrested the same day after police obtained an arrest warrant. I can't imagine why they couldn't take her into custody right there, Barry. She was taken into custody uh, and remained uh, in jail on a $75,000 bond. She's charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Which is a second-degree felony? Barry Rose, Florida woman, or not?
1: Yeah, this was a uh, this was a Florida woman. I, I let me see if I could even nail it down. Newport Richie,
0: eh, you are eh. wrong. However, I can tell you that one of our trio here, between myself, you, and Sweet Lou, may have visited the offending city. Ah, oh. San Antonio, Texas. So I know you're ashamed at having missed that one, Barry. Oh, yeah. The uh, Florida man. Uh, let's see. Woman shocked neighbor with cattle prog during argument over a party. Says a uh, local police say a woman is facing charges after attacking a neighbor with an electric cattle prog during an argument. Bobby Sue Yatsko faces charges related to simple assault, recklessly endangering another person and using an, an incapitation device. That sounds pretty serious, Barry. Uh, let's see. There was a, a fight at a home. Uh n- Police recall the alleged victim reported being attacked by Yatsko outside his home after an argument over a party that he'd had. Police say that Yatsko is accused of using the cattle prog to shock the victim multiple times in the body and face. Well, this is the part I love about the story, Barry. Police noted in the affidavit that Yatsko has had, quote, a history of incidents with neighbors. Gee, go figure that, Barry. Yeah. Yeah. So Barry Rose, Florida woman or not?
1: Could easily be uh, based off of this. But, Jeff, I do have to recuse myself. Ah, you read about it, didn't you? you I did. So this actually took place, Jeff, in the state. County. Yes, the state that I am currently residing in, Pennsylvania. This was all over the news the other day. It's all we could hear about. So where is Clearfield County? I have no fucking idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never heard of it uh, ever. We've you, obviously never
0: heard of Lawrence Township either, Bear. I have not. Yeah. You know, you you are not doing your due diligence on yeah. behalf of the show. And by I'm God, ready to get I'm get out, Jeff. I'm, I'm going to get let the you hell out. Are you saying you're you're ready to move? Is that what you're trying to say? That's
1: exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, Barry,
0: because uh, we are in fact givers, as we've now mentioned for the approximately 14th time this week. We have one more story that I was—I uh, thought I had lost, but I uh, i was able to recover it. Uh-uh, the headline reads, Barry, Man Arrested After Allegedly Trying to Rob Walmart on Shop with a Cop Day. <laughs> nice. Let's see, a man was arrested Thursday as he allegedly tried to rob a Walmart in which 40 police officers were present for Shop with a Cop Day. Uh, Shop with a Cop Day is, is designed to help families in need by necessities. With the help of police officers, apparently this is this was really the press release that was issued, uh, uh, referring to a robbery suspect simply as Brad. <laughs> Seriously, you can't make this up. Brad decided to steal from our good neighbors and partners at Walmart while we were conducting the Shop with a Cop Day with the children of our community. Bad news, Brad. The store was full of officers, almost forty. Besides the forensic team, the community service team, the uh, Citizen Service uh, Auxiliary Unit, major officers in the group. Oh, my God. Uh Let's see. Apparently, among the items that Brad decided to steal were perfume, gloves, and a syringe, Barry. Oh, syringe. Okay. Uh, I can't imagine what Brad was stealing a syringe for. Can you? Barry Rose, Florida man or not.
1: Makes you wonder, too. If they don't, I would think syringes would be locked up. I went to... Shit, Walmart two weeks ago? Yeah, about two weeks ago. You shot for a syringe, did you? I did not. I was getting – my lips were chapped, and I was with Zoe, and I was getting Aquaphor, and they kept it locked up. And I said, why would you keep it locked up? And she said, people in this store steal everything. That was her excuse. So, yeah, you never know what you're going to get. I I get certain things, but, I mean, you're keeping like – you know, Vaseline, you're keeping locked up. Aquaphor. This, this one, this took place in Florida, Jeff. This took place in Largo, Florida. Osceola. Oh, Larry, Right by Kissimmee. Yep. He's
0: probably a, uh, a, a Disney World part-timer. That's all I'm going to say. Barry, I think recently we had done a list of the top 10 movie villains of all time. So of course, yang to the yang, black to the white. We offer now top ten greatest movie heroes. Oh. Of all time. So right away, Barry, who would be your top movie hero of all time? And I'm not talking the Marvel universe or anything like that, or DC. I'm talking a solid movie hero that encompasses all genres.
1: Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. You're going Boy, John McClane? I'm going John McClane. John okay. McClane, my idol and hero, at least on the first uh the first First show, the first okay. movie. We're, we're going to see if he even makes the
0: list, motherfucker. Boy, I hope so. so. Yeah. Shoot your shot. Uh, right. okay. Uh, let's go. Hey, we got no particular order here, Barry. Barry, the first one, T.E. Lawrence from Lawrence of Arabia, 1962, uh, director David Lean's amazing epic film. We're going back a ways, but Barry, have you ever seen Lawrence of Arabia? And if so, were you a fan?
1: I have seen it. I just not, ha- I haven't seen it in, uh, I don't know, 40 years, maybe even a little bit longer. I haven't seen it forever. Was this, uh, Peter O'Toole? Yes. Was he Lawrence? Okay. Omar Sharif. Omar Sharif. Peter O'Toole, what a great actor Peter oh, O'Toole yeah. was. Oh, yeah. That somehow time just forgot about and made some horrible movies at the end of his life and, uh. Had a bit of a drinking problem. I think. Had a, yeah, as a lot of those salty British actors back in the day, they, they really could, could pound their liquor. Great movie. I, I guess so. I uh, I'm, i am a big hero. He Peter did –
0: uh, I'm trying to think of the movie he did um, where he played the aging film star. and There was the great line from the movie, I'm not an actor, I'm a movie star. Uh, and it was basically uh, – it was supposed to be based on the life of Errol Flynn later in his life. And the young guy that was uh, his co-star was basically supposed to be playing Mel Brooks. Uh, Mel Brooks, very, very early in his career, before he became a well-known writer, who was basically given the task of uh, making sure this guy got to the studio on time. And I can't remember the name of the movie. Lou, maybe you could look that up for us. It was a very well-received movie. I think Peter O'Toole might have gotten nominated yeah.
2: for an Oscar for it also. My favorite year.
0: Yeah, that was it. Oh, My favorite year, like
2: 1979-ish around there. 100%. Around, yeah. I think like 82 or 83. Well, okay. Also then I, I lied. Lou, Marklin
0: <laughs> Baker from, from the, uh, the Moose. Yeah, through, uh, the Balky. Uh yeah. So uh but let me just get back to Lawrence of Arabia. From what I understand, while this is a great movie and uh just a fan uh, just an epic scope and and so visually stunning the portrayal of T.H. uh TE Lawrence perhaps not the most entirely accurate portrayal because this was based on a real guy. Sure. And let's just say that uh they overlooked some of the flaws that this individual may have had uh in his life. Anyway, moving along Barry Next we come to from 1946. Every year at Christmas time, NBC plays It's a Wonderful Life. It's George Bailey as played by Jimmy Stewart, Barry.
1: Yeah, but is that, is that a true hero though in the sense? Like I, I think of hero as a John McClain or even the Peter O'Toole character. Some people are
0: quiet heroes, Barry, because George Bailey uh, you know, he, he stays in the town to keep the savings and loan going on and, uh, to keep the town from being corrupted by the villainous, uh, whatever the hell the guy's name was that was, uh, you know, trying to basically rob everyone in the town blind. And, uh, so it was more of a quiet, no, it wasn't a yippie Kaye motherfucker kind of guy. Uh, you know, believe it or not, folks, not every movie uh hero has to be like that. Barry, I'm not scolding you, I'm scolding the audience. <laughs> you can yeah. scold me. It's all right. Well, I, well you know. Uh so yeah. anyway, but I uh, know George Bailey a a quieter hero, uh, but he basically saved the town. Uh it was going to be uh it was an old man Potter, I think, uh, or or something like that. And he was going to take over the town because George Bailey had the alternative savings and loan from uh from the old man's bank uh the people had a a second location to go to to put their money away and so uh yeah that was a great film but every year Christmas Eve NBC runs that movie uh let's see next Barry oh you'll be happy Barry because this is more of an action star 1979 Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley an Alien
1: yeah absolutely too and uh, you know what I like the inclusion of females as heroes as well and uh You know, I, I, I've actually been a big fan and I think we're maybe a big fan of females. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the females, but I I like the female action hero if done correctly. And I, I think maybe Ripley was the first, you know, with, uh, and it was understated in some ways with more attention giving to, uh, like, uh, Mila Jovovich and, you know, whatever that series is. And, uh, even, uh, Angelina Jolie with Tomb Raider and whatever else she's done, Lara Croft. Which I think is Well, and I think you're right.
0: forgetting perhaps uh, the one that I'm really surprised you have not mentioned.
1: Well, I'm not forgetting it. I was saving. If you're, if we're on the same page, and I bet we are, Let's that see. to me is, it's the bet. It, are we talking, is it Uma Thurman? Uh, no, it's not, but thank oh, you. Oh, what? I then I we're not on the same you're page. You're
0: not, refer- you're not thinking immediately the the fact that, that Sigurney Weaver's, uh, character of Ripley in the Alien, uh, if that had not happened, would Linda Hamilton's character And, uh, you know, the Terminator have been uh, out there because that was a kick-ass female lead also.
1: Absolutely, especially the second one. The first one, she was kind of caught in a situation. The second one, she's a badass and physically transformed for that role. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I would absolutely say Linda Hamilton deserves that as well.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, uh, Ellen Ripley came back for Aliens, and there's the classic scene where she's, like, basically in the uh, mechanical – uh it's some some sort of uh device they use on the ship to load cargo and stuff like that. But uh the alien is threatening the young uh the young little girl. Is, uh, Get away from her, you bitch. And uh you know, that's uh that's really good stuff. I, I think we've talked about this. Did you like uh Alien or Aliens better? better.
1: I think a bet, I think it's the, the T2 effect on this one. I think the second one is better than the first, but the first always holds special memories for me.
0: Yeah, I, and uh, I think I've said this recently, uh, Alien, a great science fiction movie, aliens to me, uh, while it has science fiction component, more of an action movie. Uh, and nothing wrong with that. They're both oh, right. awesome and I like it. Uh, next Barry, 1976, Rocky Balboa.
1: Oh, it's <sighs> sly yeah i guess i you know again i think of a hero and if we're looking at the first rocky was was
0: rocky not the ultimate underdog that came out you know yeah but i
1: I don't know if that qualifies him as a hero but yeah he was as the ultimate underdog he i the whole franchise was built off of that so absolutely and i guess in a form he is a hero i think i again i maybe i was looking at heroes uh very generalized or not not very generalized maybe you
0: need to open your mind up that's
1: what it is a little bit i just i'm speaking speaking
0: of uh sly stallone uh on the date of this recording barry happened to watch the first episode oh and tulsa king have you have you heard about this oh i've heard and i'm dying to see it how is it uh i have to say it's not what i expected i expected it to be sort of a uh Boardwalk Empire Sopranos because that the guy that uh is involved with that uh, with the Tulsa King uh is a guy that was involved with those shows and it's more and this is where you're going to really pop more like Barry because so, uh it's uh, it's got some mob components but with a very definite sense of humor
1: Right so the trailer that I've seen I think it's the same trailer it looks like it, at moments it's a comedy like it's an absolute comedy. Oh yeah, you yeah, know,
0: yeah, there's, there's some very funny parts to it. And, uh, you know. And I want to say
1: the guy doing it is the guy from Yellowstone, I think. He's uh, also done Yellowstone, which is a great show. Have you ever seen Yellowstone? I have not. So fifth season just started on Sunday. The other four are either on. Oh, I know it's been because. all
0: over the internet. Uh, people, you know, like, uh, you know, putting their children with babysitters because, God forsaken, uh, Yellowstone is on. I, and I know it's five seasons that I've not seen one, but I know it's extremely positively reviewed.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, and I think it's highly recommended. I, uh, I, I will tell you, I watched the first episode. It was on Sunday night. Was it, it was actually two episodes and it was about two and a half hours. There is something to be said. How fortunate we are to be able to binge watch television shows and not have to wait seven days for continuing storylines. When you go, what, what happened? What exactly happened? With, you well, know, unfortunately, you uh, unfortunately in Tulsa King, we have to wait a week. <laughs> okay. I know you do, right? Yeah. yeah. So that
0: kind of sucks. But anyway, getting back, uh, Rocky Balboa was a, a very iconic character. Of course, there's so many stories that have been written about Stallone uh, wanting to hold on to the character. He didn't want to, uh, you know, that they, they Hollywood wanted him to sell. It for a very small amount of money uh, and have, you know, like I, I think I saw like Ryan O'Neill was tied to the, you know, possibility of Ryan O'Neill playing Rocky Balboa, which think about that Ryan O'Neill Ugh. as the Italian, you know, Italian stallion, that just uh, doesn't go, but anyway Stallone held on to this, uh, made the movie himself, and uh, you know and then of course the rest, as they say, is film history so next, Barry oh, uh, again, here Barry, I know you're immediately is this a hero? Clarice Starling from the nineteen uh, ninety Silence of the Lambs. Now go ahead, tell Barry why she's not a hero.
1: Go ahead. Because I heard I heard that chuckle. <laughs> exactly. I look. Nobody likes Silence of the Lambs more than I do. God knows I watch this movie probably on a monthly basis at this point. It seems to be on every streaming device, so I'll always put it on. I don't know if she. I guess she's a hero because she brings down Buffalo Bill, right? But I. uh I don't fully know. And yeah, uh, I'll
0: I'll take the uh, counter argument. If Hannibal Lecter is one of the great villains in movie history, which I think we will agree on that.
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: So every great villain needs a uh, hero to uh, be their counter. So if that's the case, does that make not make uh, Starling the hero or the heroine of the film?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, no, if we're, if if we're, I guess with deeper thought, then she absolutely... We're asking you to have a few deep thoughts here, Barry. Yeah, yeah. And open up my mind and, uh, yeah. But no, I, I guess I could also see where she is a hero. Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. Cause, uh, that, yeah, I mean, let's face it. That's, uh, if nothing else, that scene where she goes into the house and she's being watched by, uh, by Buffalo Bill. Whoo. Heavy on the creepy factor. So, Barry, here is, uh, a definition of a, uh, wow, this is, I mean, we're going back to 1952 on this. Uh, Gary Cooper's Will Kane in High Noon. Interesting because a lot of guys that a John Wayne and some other guys that were uh, in Hollywood famous for their uh, Westerns and such like that completely hated this story and they hated it because Will Kane at the end of the movie famously the town would not help him as the gang of killers is coming to take care of them and everyone kind of walked away from him and he, uh, spoiler alert on a film that's what, like 70 years old now? At least, right? Uh, he, uh, he, he emerges victorious, kills all the other uh, gang. And then when the town comes up to congratulate him, he takes his badge off at the end of the movie and throws it in the dirt and leaves town. And of course, a lot of, uh, people. Uh, in Hollywood, at the time said, Oh my God, this is, a, no, you can't do this in a Western. He has to, he has to accept the thanks of the townspeople and realize, Oh, this is what you want. I'm your sheriff. And, and no, because he did that one gesture and rejected the, uh, you know, of the, the people coming out after the fact and saying, Hey, thanks. We really appreciate it. People look down on that. So Barry Rose, first of all, you've seen, uh, high noon, I'm guessing. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So is Will a hero to you?
1: Yeah, I think that one I see a little bit more so yeah I would say he he's a hero. Yeah. So okay. Uh, an anti-hero. How about that?
0: That no and that's what I was going to say he's viewed by some because of that gesture at the end of the movie as an anti-hero but certainly uh it can be accepted. Uh, oh Barry the folks that uh, watch this or listen to this show are going to love the fact that we're going back uh, all this way. We went 70 years in the last one. Uh, Barry now we're going back 80 years. Casablanca it's Rick Blaine. <laughs> The, uh, the, the, uh, proprietor of Rick's Cafe Americana, Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine, Barry Rose,
1: hero. All right. Will you explain to me how he's a hero?
0: Well, of course he, uh, he's a hero because he lets the love of his life leave with her husband. <laughs> And then, of course, he begins the, uh, the, the, what is it, the, the line, uh, this is the beginning of a wonderful friendship with the, uh, the guy that's the French police officer after they kill the villainous Nazi. Uh, no nice, eh, no nice guy Nazis in films. Go figure. But uh so I think yeah. yeah, that Hitler guy, he was, he was a tremendous hero. But no, uh, not a lot of Nazi heroes. Yeah, I, I was go. saying it somewhat ironically, Barry. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so Rick Blaine, of course, uh he kills the Nazi, allows this uh woman, Ingrid Bergman, by the way, beautiful in this film, to leave with uh Paul Heinred, her, her uh her husband at the time, even though she'd had this previous love affair with Rick Blaine, played by Humphrey Bogart, and he allows this woman to leave because he knows that uh, if she does not go with her husband, he's not going to continue his fight uh, against the Nazis uh, in another part of Europe. So anyway, so what do you think?
1: I guess. Again, I think that's stretching it. I I'd rather focus on why there aren't any Nazi heroes in <laughs> film. I think that's a funnier subject. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess.
0: You're waiting for a, a good Nazi uh, hero story.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for a. The, it's got to exist somewhere, right? But no, it's it's not. But it's probably yeah, one funny. of those direct-to-video movies. I'm going to guess that. Like, so wh- Jeff, where did this list? Jeff, where did this list come from?
0: Where did? <laughs> they, it, it, were you going to ask me this question halfway through the list, Barry? Yeah, well, now. Uh, now it's I'm trying. To- rant
1: Alright, cause I'm, tr- I, I think, and the reason is I'm trying to understand the author's perception here in the fact that I guess in most cases anybody who performs any form of a gesture could be considered a hero to some, because some of this is a little bizarre to me, but I'm curious to see where the rest of this list is going to go. Well,
0: shockingly, there were movies (laughs) that were made before 1980. I'm I'm sure that there were some out there that can't believe that. But, you know, anyway, okay, Barry, now we're good news. (laughs) We're back into the 60s, Barry. Awesome. Do you consider James Bond a hero? Absolutely. Okay, good, because this is an action film star. He didn't walk across glass and take on Hans Gruber. But anyway. So please tell us what your thoughts on James Bond are.
1: Well, he is, though. And look, a lot of what James Bond has done it has been to uh, either save uh, his country, save our country, save the world from evil takeover. Uh, sometimes he's a little self-serving, certainly when it comes to women and alcohol, uh, shaken, not stirred. But at the same time, a lot of his actions are designed to save the earth and to save uh, complete destruction from Blofeld and other people like that. So I would say... He kind of fits the description though. He may not be crawling over broken glass, but at the same time, I think he fits the description of a hero though. Not only Blofeld, but
0: Spectre.
1: Spectre. So, so yeah. Uh, Daxbury,
0: 1981, uh, let's see, uh, Steven Spielberg and writer Lawrence Kasdan came up with the character Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now he gets pretty beaten up in this movie Barry this should satisfy your uh, your needs visceral though they may be for an action hero starts to suffer a little bit is Indiana Jones a hero in your mind?
1: I guess so, but again, you're who's, a tough nut to crack. On I, this well, but who's Indiana Jones saving? He's saving the archaeological uh, artifacts from who? The Nazis. From the Nazis. Thank you. Who are bad guys in this movie? Real <laughs> bad not guys. not good guys in this movie. No, they're not. So I guess again, by by this token, he's a hero. I, I, but it almost—if I look at this list, it's like. If someone does good, they could be considered a hero. If someone's doing bad, they're considered a villain.
0: Well, like it just isn't that traditionally the way it well, works? Yeah,
1: yeah, but it just doesn't appear like there's a lot. I don't know. I think of a hero I, again. I, I it's me. I must. I'm closed minded I need to open up and go. These people are. These are everyday heroes, right? Indiana Jones is an everyday hero. Is, is he really though? No, uh, he's not. you know <laughs> he's absolutely not. But
0: okay, well you're gonna love the next one, Barry, <laughs> because this is a guy that does not fight Nazis. No, Barry, what he's fighting is Uh-oh. everyday small town prejudice. Barry, oh, it's 1962. Gregory Peck as Uh-oh. Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. By the way, if you've never seen To Kill a Mockingbird, you absolutely should go out of your way to see this absolute American classic. Barry Rose tell us what you're thought.
1: He's a hero and and to your point about what I was saying earlier, he's a hero but not in the traditional sense of crawling over glass and killing uh you know a thousand people, but he is a hero. He was certainly a hero to the the people within that region and I guess I guess people all across the world. The name Atticus though. What a great name. Why why is that lost in time? Atticus and and you would
0: think, as as much of a hero as Atticus Finch was, it's kind of surprising that, quite frankly, that name didn't take off. Because yeah, you know, how many how many times do you see like a, a great movie character, you know, uh, uh, pop onto the scene, and you see people naming their kids after you know with an athlete, uh, you know, whatever movie star, a, a movie character, and Atticus never caught on. Uh, as a, uh, as a child's name in the sixties, go figure. Of course, neither did Scout and Scout, uh, was, uh, his, uh, child's name in the movie. And of course, Barry, Barry, here's a little inside Arcadian joke. Do you remember the man he represented in the film?
1: Hmm. I do. I just don't remember his name.
0: His name, the character's name in the movie
1: was Tom Robinson. Oh okay. I didn't remember
0: little, that, yeah. Little Arcadian joke there. Uh, anyway, so uh we don't hear that name on uh, the Arcadian network anymore. So that's <laughs> no, regardless and uh <laughs> gee, Barry Rose, I can't help but notice that on this list not included John McClain.
1: This is it? The list is wrapped up. That is it. Okay, yes, so
0: I'm almost. I'm almost I want to applaud because John McClane's on there, just because it screws Barry Rose.
1: No John McClane, no Arnold Schwarzenegger. uh You have Stallone, but, but George you Bailey's oh, okay. on there. But George, <laughs> this is the weirdest hero list I've ever heard. All right, Jeff, put you on the spot. Give me your top five all-time celluloid heroes. So who were the uh, heroes? And you could use any criteria you want to use.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, I would go, um, James Bond, Indiana Jones. I'm going to go, uh, oh, uh, Mad Max would be a, ah, uh, that's nice. kind of an anti-hero though. Uh, I would say there, I, I would say, uh, the, now here is a definite anti-hero. Okay. Okay. Uh, William Funny, the, uh, uh, the, the, killer of women and children uh, that was in, Un- <laughs> <laughs> in that is your definition of an anti-hero
1: all right uh, well hold killed- on Jeff I'm going to sit down as you as you rationalize <laughs> why this guy is a hero but he's killed women and children oh no, that's words. one of
0: the lines from the movie he's a killer oh, okay of children. All right. so uh, but he ends up saving he he's a nice Barry he saves the, <laughs> saves he, the horse he, he kills Gene Hackman sheriff because <laughs> Gene Hackman killed his friend so uh, that but that's uh, you know it, it's oh prime example of an anti-hero.
1: pretty yeah that is an anti I would say so. Uh, that let is me good.
0: Think, uh let me think uh what and just uh let's have a nice Hitchcock. Uh, uh oh uh Roger Thornhill from North by Northwest. His initials R O T. Rot. So uh yeah, wh- what do you got besides John McClane there, Mr. Wow,
1: you're you're very deep with
0: yours too. So my mine will not approach that territory in any form. Oh, so. I will say uh, you you Schwarzenegger uh uh, maybe in Predator, Schwarzenegger would be a good one.
1: Yeah, and, in, in you know, I, uh, yeah, exactly. But I, I don't, I guess he's a hero to still to some degree. So yeah, Bruce Willis, John McClain, that's a big deal to me. The next one I'm going to go with, Brad Pitt in, uh, Inglorious Bastards. You're killing Nazis? you 're a hero to me, and uh, he did it uh, and except
0: had, apparently, unless your name is Indiana Jones uh, then
1: <laughs> to, uh, well yeah, but it, he wasn 't out there to kill him. he was more to recover the archaeological facts but i would I would actually put him in my list as well because uh, every movie he essentially was the hero here's uh, here's a, one that 's going to be really interesting for you, and I put this in a comedic uh in a comedic tone, but at the same time, I think you can make a case. The Leonardo DiCaprio character in Titanic was a hero, right? He technically was. As much as I don't like that movie, he was a hero. But here's two that I think fall in line with my very basic understanding of heroes, Steven Seagal and Charles Bronson. Make your jokes. Uh, I would say, well, which which Bronson movie you're talking about? Pick one because they're almost all identical. Uh, but he was always a hero how about, how or an antihero. Steve McQueen in Bullet. Excellent, excellent choice.
0: Absolutely. So, so, I, I by the way, I, I can't help but uh, laugh that uh, one of your top three choices is a guy from a movie that you hate.
1: Well, I was having fun with it, but you know what it was? I started thinking, and I'm going, okay, because in a lot of ways, he was the hero, and that is what top five grossing movies of all time. So he absolutely was, but by the same token, if I was really looking at the author uh, of this list, do you remember that movie with Patrick Swayze where he went to India? It was called like City of God or something like that. And he found a little boy that had been really... Wait a minute, how did you not have Dalton on this list? Dalton should always be.
0: That's a uh, real... That. You didn't area. have him in your top I, five!
1: It's a, I know. And, and I should have. I, he should have replaced, uh, uh, Leonardo George DiCaprio. Bailey. <laughs> George <laughs> Bailey, exactly.
0: Alright, Barry, what do you say? We round the turn, do a little, uh, heading for home. You about ready to take it in, uh, I to forward, my friend?
1: think it's about time to wrap this up. I think you gotta get some rest, Jeff.
0: I think uh, you're probably right on that. So I will tell you that on behalf of uh, Barry Rose and myself, good night, Gunny. I'll see you in the morning. And our producer, Sweet Luke Kippelman, I will remind you that Breaking Cafe with Bowden and Barry, a production, a sickly production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And until next week, we will talk to you folks later.